folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. of Purple Insider, presented by Scout Logistics. Matthew Collar here, along with Stephen Ruiz, returning to the show from USA Today. What is going on, Stephen? Not much. Is this my third time on the show? I think it's third. I think this is your third time on the Purple Insider show. The previous show, I don't know, probably a half a dozen times at least that I would uh, call upon you when you wrote something great, and that is the norm for you. So everyone should follow you at, uh, what is it, the Steven Ruiz on Twitter it is your Twitter handle. And if they also want the Carolina Panthers mocked mercilessly, <laughs> then that would be another thing. Now, we have a lot to get to here on quarterback situations. I wanted to go through the best and worst long-term quarterback situations and sort of figure out where the Vikings fall and all that. But I have just enjoyed you making fun of the Carolina Panthers recently because on this show I have done a lot of that. And it's like, oh, someone else also sees this. That this, that, that, Like the other day we were going through the Vegas lines and the Vikings are a pick em at Carolina. Like, Why? Why you know I I'm sorry I know it's on the road but that should not be the case because I don't think they have much idea of what they're doing. If you get made fun of by Teddy Bridgewater for being clueless, then I think you've really wronged Teddy Bridgewater would be my guess. Yeah, and it's it's been like this ever since. I'd say David Tepper took over the team. I think it's been two and a half years now. I know it happened in the middle of the season where Jerry Richardson kind of got ousted and he ended up hiring a GM eventually. But the previous GM before that, Marty Herney, it, it's a weird story. Like, he was the GM back in last decade, got fired because he ruined the team salary cap situation. It was horrible. They hired Dave Gettleman. And this is the saddest thing about the Panthers fandom. Dave Gettleman has been our best GM of the last 20 years. Like, we look back at the Dave Gettleman years and we're like, oh, can we just go back to that? But anyway, so – they fire Dave Gettleman, and they hire Herney as the interim GM, and he just kind of sticks around. He just lingers around, and, and he never gets the full title back, but they never hire a full-time GM, so they just happen around. And then they hire Matt Rule, and they continue to let Marty Herney stick around. And that was last offseason. That last offseason was even weirder than this one, because last offseason when they signed Teddy Bridgewater after moving on from Cam, and you're like, oh, they should probably blow things up. That's why you bought Matt Rule in, right? To, rebuild the program 
But no, they made like moves that were like win now moves, like trading for Russell Okun. And then at the same time, they're kind of you know sowing or laying the foundation for a rebuild with Matt Rule. And then it's like two separate timelines. And then you thought Herney was gone because he got fired. I, I guess it was early this year, late last year. But it's the same thing over, again. Like there's a quarterback on the board. They need a quarterback. Justin Fields is there. They draft a cornerback instead. And it's for me, it's just I don't know. I, I grew up a Panthers fan, and it's I don't know if they're ever going to get me back. I think Justin Fields was the, the pick that would bring me back. Now I'm just like I don't I don't care about this team anymore. And I don't know how you can care about a team that's going in no direction whatsoever. It's hard. So there, there's so much that I don't understand. I mean, signing Teddy Bridgewater to begin with, I don't understand. Because Teddy Bridgewater would be the exact type of quarterback to win you too many games, which he did. Uh, and, and came very close to winning more of them. Almost one here in Minnesota, almost one in Kansas City. They were a couple of wins away from being the worst record you can have, which is 7-9 and nine and drafting even later. So, okay, fine, you don't want to stick with Teddy Bridgewater. That makes sense. He's a much better fit in Denver if they're going to stick with him. For a good supporting cast, team that can win and be competitive, that's where Teddy sits. He's sort of the bridge quarterback. Uh, I don't know why a tanking team would want that. You should have played Chris Winkie or something. Like, go lose all your games and then draft whoever you want at the top. Chris Winkie beat the Vikings in week one. I'll remind Vikings fans about that. That's the one team the Panthers beat that year. And then lost 15 straight games. Yes, I do remember that. Uh, Chris Winkie is from Minnesota, by the way. Um, so even more irony, I guess. So so they, you know, they signed a quarterback that they shouldn't sign, who Chicago should have signed, actually, and had him. If Teddy is the starting quarterback in Chicago, they probably win like 10 games last year. So both teams screwed it up. And then you get a chance still to totally redeem yourself. And this is perfect because Dumb and Dumber makes sense for Carolina. Uh, they get a chance to totally redeem themselves with Justin Fields right there for you, and they pick a corner. I mean, I would even understand trading for Sam Darnold. You should be like, oh, well, if it blows up, then we draft high, or or we just have him compete for the starting spot and then trade him away if he doesn't win it, like the Jets did with Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold once upon a time. That would be actually not that terrible. But now you're really doubling, tripling down on Sam Darnold, who – I can't find any evidence that he's good, Stephen. You may have looked into this more than I have, but I just can't find any. I wrote about Sam Darnold. I think it was – oh, yeah, it was after he, the Panthers traded for him. And like you said, there's no there's no evidence. Like going back to USC, there's no evidence. You take – you account for Adam Gase being involved, and it doesn't make it any better. He's been statistically the worst quarterback in the league since he's been a starter – and the problem with him, and I know the Gase excuse is there, but he was making the same mistakes this year and this past year that he was making at USC. He's been the same guy this whole time, and nothing has changed. And I know there's some hope that, like, going to another team, maybe he'll get developed, but, like, Teddy Bridgewater was Teddy Bridgewater last year. Like, going working with Joe Brady didn't make Teddy Bridgewater some – and Teddy Bridgewater has a decent skill set to work with. Like, if you put him – in a good scheme with good coaching, like we saw in New Orleans. Like, he put up good numbers in New Orleans. Like, his efficiency metrics, like, his EPA was, like, top 10 for the if he would have played the whole season. So, I I don't know. I just – there's – the only optimism is based on the fact that Sam Darnold was good the first year he started in USC, and that was, what, five, six years ago now? 
I I I understand why Panthers fans can like I don't want to say delude themselves, but trick themselves into thinking that this team has a chance because Sam Darnold does have some talent. And there are those flashes, and then you look at the skills skill players like DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Like there's some good players on this team, Christian Caffrey. But I mean, to me, it doesn't look any better than last year. And now, like you like you said, they were two games away from being that dreaded seven and nine. And I really think that's what they're destined for as long until they just blow things up and start over with a young first year rookie quarterback. And they had the chance to do it with a guy that a lot of people that I trust and that, that I respect their opinions. Like they thought that in any other year where there isn't Trevor Lawrence, that this guy was like a QB one type of talent and to pass on him where they did is like, like I said before, it was just deflating. For me, because I thought if I, – I didn't think Fields was going to get to them. And when he did and they passed on him for a cornerback, I I mean, for me, it was just a realization in my head, like I'm probably never going to care about this team again, which is yeah. sad to say. Well, I think they just put themselves in the running for like you are one of the worst franchises in the NFL if you're passing on that. Even if your scouts or someone has some problem with Justin Fields, you're worried about his epilepsy or whatever, like it's worth the swing versus what a cornerback could give you. And his high end is the guy dominated college football and played with broken ribs in the college football playoff. Like what more did you need from him? So that's an interesting jumping off point to talk about what we were going to talk about, which is because I, I think I could probably let you rant about the Panthers for longer, um, which is <laughs> the, um, the best and worst quarterback situations long-term in the NFL. And I think worst is a better place to start than best because some of the best are a little obvious. But Carolina might be all the way at the bottom because they are probably going to win enough games with their weapons that they have. And I'm not totally sold on Joe Brady, but at least at the beginning of the year, maybe he'll fool some people. And so they're, they're not going anywhere. They're not going to tank. They're not going to win anything. And they traded a lot for Darnold and they're reportedly going to pick up his fifth year option. I don't know if that's happened yet, but like, what are you even doing with that? Um, So I thought I would put them all the way at the bottom. Who else would be in your list of like, dead-ass last teams in terms of quarterback situations over the next few years? I'll say the team that uh, passed on uh, Justin Fields right before that. I'll say the Lions. I did not get – and it was kind of weird, like, leading into the draft. No one was really talking about the possibility of the Lions drafting a quarterback, and I I didn't understand why. Jared Goff is – I, I wouldn't even put him in the Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe he is where he's like decent enough where you're not going to like just be totally awful. Although the lines, the roster around him may make it so they are totally awful. But I, I just could not imagine getting excited as a Lions fan about Jared Goff after having seen how that ended in LA and how desperate they were to like get rid of him. Like look at the trade package that they, they like gave away first round picks to get rid of him. And he comes with the salary and, I think I think that's actually worse than the Panthers. I'll put them below the Panthers. I I would be concerned if I was a Lions fan. That was the first pick, but at least they got a player. Unlike the Panthers, they drafted Sewell, who I think it could be a generational left tackle. Whereas I think J.C. Horn like could max out as like a, a top ten corner. At least they took a guy that we know is going to be good. Like he's a left tackle. Those those are usually sure things. But the quarterback situation, I don't know how you look at that offense and expect 
And maybe they don't. Maybe they're trying to tank, which is the smart thing to do. Obviously, the Panthers should do it. But for this year, at least, it's just bleak. So the fact that it's not just one year for Jared Goff, I think it's two before they can really get out from under that makes it difficult. They let all of his weapons walk out the door in Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, which Vikings fans were absolutely thrilled to see because those guys smoked the Vikings. But, um, you know, I think that this one isn't tremendously awful or like not in the same, there's no reason to live, which is like Carolina. <laughs> like, why are you just shut down the franchise because you traded for Sam Darnold and then didn't draft someone else? Because I think the lines are a few years away, but also if you go from being horrible under Matt Patricia and being a joke fest to like two more years of being a joke fest I feel like Jared Goff guarantees you that you'll be in some football games. Like he is not someone who's raising the level of a franchise, but maybe in Bridgewater or Ryan Fitzpatrick like fashion, like you need to compete in these football games. Now, if you were to play David Blau for those games and go, zero and 17 coming off of the Matt Patricia, I mean, you're talking about just no reason for any fan to go to your game or care about you. Like you want to engage the fan base to some extent and play competitive football games. So I don't think that's terrible. Sometimes we, we act like the only place you could ever be is winning the Super Bowl or tank and Vikings fans understand that because they've spent so much time in the middle but I feel like when you've been this terrible, you need to kind of get to the middle to be like, yes, we are still a football franchise. I would agree with you, but I'll say this. There, this is a clear downgrade at what they had, and they were a joke when they had a better quarterback. So that's where I think – I don't even think Jared Goff makes them any more competitive than they were under Matt Patricia. I think it's going to be the, the coaches and the players around them. I don't know how to feel about Dan Campbell. I know he's become like a meme, but his coaching staff is actually like – quietly pretty decent and maybe beyond this mascot of a head coach that maybe it will turn out that this is a good coaching staff and it might turn things around quicker than we expect and it's probably going to be better than Matt Patricia even if Dan Campbell does live up to this this meme character he's created but I mean the, the thing about Jared Goff is I think he's a decent quarterback but I think he's a quarterback. When you watch him and things are going awful, it's just so hard to watch. And with that roster around him, like you said, they got rid of Galladay. Marvin Jones is gone. I don't see how it, it, it's even watchable, at least for this year. And maybe, and like I said, maybe that's the goal. This is a team that seems to understand that they need to rebuild. Like that Matthew Stafford trade was cleared. They were just trying to get as many draft assets assets as possible and I think they did a good job of that so I like Detroit fans I would just take this year off like go find another <laughs> hobby you don't don't do this to yourself yeah um so a guy who comes on the show sometimes um Malcolm Hart he does the Detroit Lions pride podcast and um I was making fun of him when he was tweeting about QB1 and RB1 DeAndre Swift and Jared Goff and I was like oh yeah Andre Ware and uh, Ron Rivers that's what you have there it's like oh yeah like Ch- Charlie Batch and um uh, I have no idea who some of their other running backs are James Stewart James Stewart there you go that's a good poll. Uh, well, so the way I look at it is, and we'll move on to another one in a second, but it's just that over the last three years, I looked at this stat the other day. The Detroit Lions allowed 104 quarterback rating to opposing quarterbacks for a three-year period. 
Like if you do that, you're in the Pro Bowl norm in normal years. Last year was a little bit pumped up. But if you have a 104 quarterback rating, you've like had a great season as a quarterback. They were doing that on average for three straight seasons. So my thought is Aaron Glenn should be able to turn their defense around a little bit to where it at least plays football as opposed to just getting <laughs> demolished every single week. And so I, th- I think that Jared Goff wins like seven games and they look okay. You think they win seven games? Yeah, I think they win seven games, six or seven games, and they'll play okay, and uh, they won't be a joke. And and it'll and then and, and they can at least look at their season and be like, oh, we started to take some steps forward with Jared Goff. That that's how I think this plays out. See, see, I think I think this is this is the Vikings fan in you. This is the, or the Vikings reporter in you because your exposure to Jared Goff is that Thursday night game where Jared <laughs> Goff looked like. Damn Patrick Mahomes out there. Yeah, Jared yep. Goff's never coming back. No, you're probably right about you're probably right about that. And what did he go like nine and six last year or something with the number one defense? So like, he, yeah, he, he, probably, he got shadow bench for John, someone named John Wolford. <laughs> John Wolford. Yeah. Um. So I no, I get you. You're right that maybe my opinion of uh, Jared Goff is a little bit higher because that was an incredible game, 465 yards, I think, five touchdowns maybe. Um, so New Orleans is another team that I think is in a tremendously awful quarterback position. I don't understand Jameis people. Jameis people are weird um, and bizarre. I'm, I'm a Jameis person. I don't get, then I don't get you. Like a, a quarterback who is capable of throwing 31 interceptions to me is just not an NFL quarterback, uh, but – I, people seem to hold out hope since he was drafted number one in Darnold-like fashion that he will somehow magically become this great quarterback. I'm not even sure he wins the job over Taysom Hill. Okay, uh, let me explain Jameis uh, people to you. Jameis, and this is going to be a weird comparison, Jameis has a little bit of Andrew Luck to him. Where, and Andrew Luck had turnover problems too. Where you watch Jameis's intercept, even his interceptions, you just watch his interceptions, and you can be like, "Oh, I see what he was going for. He just like it was just a little too ambitious for you." But there's always a play. Like he clearly knows how to play quarterback. It's like me playing Madden, where like I I try to do cool stuff and it doesn't work out, and I throw a lot of interceptions. Like Jameis has a lot of oh, that would have been cool if he pulled it off though interceptions. And I, but, but sometimes he does pull it off. And the people that are watching film are like, oh, God, look, this guy looks like like prime Andrew Luck on this play. And he did it again, and he did it again. And then another thing is when you're watching film, you don't really get the gravity of interceptions on film. There's no commentary. There's no, there's no crowd noise. You, the score is not on the screen. You're just watching a player and evaluating. And I think that's another thing where you kind of overlook the interceptions because it's one play. Like, you watch – a quarterback, a one game of a quarterback, you see 45 to 50 dropbacks sometimes. He throws two interceptions. That's, what, uh, 2% of the dropbacks? You're like, oh, that's not a big deal. There's two bad plays, and there's, like, 10 good plays. So I think that's what it is. Like, for me, like, I can – I I'm a Jameis person, but I realize it's ridiculous that I'm a Jameis person. So I take no offense to you going, I don't get you, because I, I wouldn't get me either. Well, this is a great observation about watching film, because I often – disagree with film analysts when they're looking at Viking stuff and not necessarily because they're breaking it down wrong. I'm not saying like, Oh, you don't know your route combinations, bro. (laughs) But it's more of like, 
this, uh, why aren't they using this guy this way? There was a, I'm not going to call anybody out, but there was a film thing that I watched a couple of years ago of like the, the Vikings should be using Laquan Treadwell differently. And I'm like, look, uh, you could use them like Jerry Rice. You could give them handoffs. You could have them punt return. You could have them punt. I don't care. This guy is not good at football, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but you, whatever film you're trying to – because you get kind of this, like, horse blinder thing, and it even happens with Cousins, where last year, watch week one film against the Packers. Like, his film on that, his PFF grade is awesome for that game. But they were – he throws a key interception and they're down in the game, like 21 points. He, you know, misses a, a read on a fourth down throw and, and it goes wrong. It's like the situational football stuff gets completely lost when you're watching film. So I totally get exactly what you're saying with Jameis Winston. I just can't get over the interceptions. Like the guy has always done it. He'll always do it. And then when Taysom Hill took the job from him last year, it's like, okay, if you can't beat a glorified tight end slash punt blocker for the quarterback position, I, I, I tend to believe that Sean Payton knows what he's doing with it, analyzing quarterbacks. You have to give some credit to somebody like that. But there was a there's the ego thing with Sean Payton. Like I don't think we can discount that. Like they just gave the guy a, a Mickey Mouse 140 million dollar contract. <laughs> yes. Like there was a reason they did that, and it yeah. was not. It was it, it's like Sean Payton just lives to troll us, and I think there was an ego thing with that. Like, he should not have been playing. Like, I, I honestly think Sean Payton, I know they won the first two games. Well, one game was against a Wake Forest wide receiver, and the other the other game was against uh, the Falcons, which does those don't count. Defense, uh, performances against that defense doesn't count. But that Eagles game, they should have won that game. They would have had home field advantage throughout the playoffs if they just played a real quarterback. They lost that game because Taysom Hill is not a real quarterback. So – like that to me makes me feel better about questioning Sean Payton, who's a person that knows more about football than I'll ever even hope to know. But I don't think we could use that as proof that that Jameis isn't better than Taysom Hill. Or I think I think Jameis is going to win the job because Taysom Hill, when you watch him on film, he just doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. Like you see him hitch up in the pocket, and he like hitches up like 15 yards. <laughs> like he just hitches up into the offensive line and takes a sack. And it's the weirdest thing in the world to watch. But I will, I agree with you with their quarterback situation. It's, it's bleak. It's awful. And if Jameis Winston is like your upside for this year, then I, like I would be sad as a Saints fan. And the thing with them is their salary cap situation is not good. And I don't know what this team looks like post Sean Payton. I, I mean, are we sure that this team is this franchise is that is competent enough to recover from post Drew Brees? Like how much of Drew Brees' brilliance covered up some incompetent front office management because this salary cap situ- situation was not good. And there was that stretch for like what four or five years when they were going seven and nine every year. They got one good draft and that kind of turned things around. So I'm not sure that this team is actually in good hands going forward. And I, I think we kind of take that for granted just because Sean Payton has this reputation as an offensive genius, but we've never seen it without a Hall of Fame quarterback. Folks, if you are pumped up about how the Vikings did in the draft and now the schedule's out, it is a great time to get yourself a Skull Flag or Bud Grant shirt. And, of course, there's much, much more if you go to sodastick.com. 
S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Check them all out. And if you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. And if you're ready for the summer months, we're going to have hockey playoffs so you can get your dollar bill krill shirts. And if you're a golfer, you have to see the Minnesota golf hats. They are classic. All of Soda Sticks Apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Follow them, Soda Stick Co. on Twitter. Go to SodaStick.com for your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. Hey everyone, anybody who listens to the show knows that Sam and I may not be scratch golfers, but we love to have a great time playing golf. And that's why we have partnered with Birdie Golf in Woodbury. Birdie Golf is hands down the best indoor golf experience you will ever have. There are eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and luckily for us, never lose a ball. But it's not just for hardcore golfers. Birdie Golf is for everyone. Bring the family, play arcade style games while dining on great food in an upscale and comfortable environment. They have private bays for social distancing, a luxury lounge for private events, outdoor patio, and scratch kitchen. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights and the best boneless wings in the metro. Make golf a night out or the place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive from anywhere in the Twin Cities metro, and at birdiegolf.com, or you could call 651-998-2200 today. I'll see you there. Right. Well, and there is the Drew Brees wasn't a Hall of Fame quarterback before Sean Payton. And then we get into a Belichick Brady type of thing of like who is yeah. to blame for who. But I think it's it's clear that Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston is not taking you anywhere, whether it's, you know, nine and eight or it's just absolutely horrible, uh, I think are the only two options for this. And then it's probably not going to be so bad. Even with Jameis in Tampa Bay, it was never so bad that you get to draft Spencer Rattler next year. So you end up stuck in the middle with neither one of those guys as your quarterback. The reason that I would give them credit for picking uh, Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston is just because this, this would be like a beat reporter thing. Like when you cover training camp, and you, you really focus on who's getting the reps, right? And that tells you everything you need to know because everybody's got to be on the same page with all of these things about all the players, right? The offensive coordinator, the head coach, the quality control guy, the quarterback coach, like they all got to be on the same page. So for somebody, and not, and not that it's impossible, but for somebody to just hijack the whole thing and be like, I'm playing Taysom and F all of you who want Jameis. I, I don't know. I, I've got to think that it looked better in practice for Taysom Hill than it did for Jameis. And maybe just because like, think how they were winning with breeze and Bridgewater would just don't turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. And uh, that can actually win you a decent amount of games when you have a good roster. I, I will say that Taysom does turn the ball over a lot. Like if you look at his turnover rate based on when he's played quarterback, it's not very good. So I will point that out. I'm just going to point. Not, that's because that's he's, he's terrible would be the reason. Right, like Both right. of these guys are bad. That's why they're on our list. Uh, let me give you a couple AFC ones, and you can tell me if you agree or disagree. And then we can talk about whether the Vikings belong on this list or the other list that we need to talk about. So I think that um, Houston is just an obvious one. Like if Deshaun Watson's getting suspended or something, what, Davis Mills or Tyrod Taylor, that's oh, – 
truly terrible. Uh, Pittsburgh is not good because they're going to do the same thing. They're going to win eight games this year, and that's that one's not great either. I'll give you a one that I would pick but not confidently is Miami. The fact that they decided not to draft Justin Fields this year and stick with Tua, give him a wide receiver. I have I have lived this before, Stephen. When I was in Buffalo, they traded their next year's first up to take Sammy Watkins so he could help EJ Manuel. <laughs> I have seen this play out before. It does not work. So do you agree with Miami, or are you willing to give Tua a little more time? Oh, no. I think just looking at the teams, they have to be on the list because they did – they. They got their draft capital, and maybe I maybe I don't know their draft capital well enough, but I'm pretty sure they've used, like, all the the draft capital they built up, they've used most of it. So, like, this was the year. Are you going to get a quarterback, or is Tua the guy? And they chose Tua. So if he busts, which, I mean, I think there were, the bar was a little bit too high for him because people are talking about him like he had this awful rookie year. And, I, I mean, there were times when it looked bad, but there were times when it looked good. Like, you look at that Chiefs game, that they almost won, he made some some pretty good plays against the Cardinals. That game really impressed me, but after that, kind of went downhill. And I think, I mean, if if I was a betting man, I would bet that he wasn't going to become a top ten quarterback, which which is what you need to win, right? Consistently, at least you can do you can have a Blake Bortles and go on a playoff run. But yeah, I'd put them on the list. The only reason I would be hesitant, which, like you said, you are, is because he is young. I mean, he's shown some things. I mean, maybe the ceiling isn't that high, but I think if you put enough talent around him, and Miami seems to be building a talented roster, it's it's one that's good enough where you can win with a just a decent or even mediocre quarterback. The problem with that is you get kind of stuck in these situations where you're paying a Jared Goff because he has this great roster around him, and maybe he's not that great. And that, and if you don't win a Super Bowl when two is on a rookie contract, then that kind of like ends your chance of ever winning a Super Bowl you're going to have to pay them eventually, especially if you're winning every year. Fans fans aren't going to be able to see through the fact that maybe Tua's kind of holding them back if they're making the playoffs every year. They're going to grow att- get attached to him, and it's going to be hard to move on. And I'll throw out uh, a team that I wouldn't put on this list, but a team that could be headed down a dangerous road, a la the Rams with Jared Goff. And I would say the Browns having to pay Baker Mayfield is going to cause some problems if he remains this Baker Mayfield. Because that, I mean, I don't know how you deny it. I get blowback on Twitter about this all the time when I bring up the play action thing and how dependent on play action that offense was and how if you look at every other quarterback in the league and how they do better with play action, like why are you paying a quarterback premium for a quarterback who needs that, you know, schematic help? Right. And something that these teams and I mean, fans, okay, whatever, but like the teams, cause you have a wide range of fans. So I don't like to say like all fans think this, but, mm-hmm. um, but teams, they tend to struggle to also see this, even though they're doing it, <laughs> even though they're designing it because like with Jared Goff, I mean, he took you to the Super Bowl, so you feel like you had to do it. But they also signed him real early because they were afraid that there were going to be other quarterback contracts and it was going to jack up the price. It's like, I, th- I wonder if almost Dallas played it right, even though they're going to have to pay more, just to wait and see and get the biggest sample size you can. But what's hard is there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks in the world, I think, with how we're developing them and how many come out per year, 
who can do what Baker Mayfield has done. But it's scary for the team to say, oh, well, what if? And this is even with Miami. Like, well, we drafted this guy, so we got to kind of stick with him and see what happens. But the problem is the ceiling on Tua is probably Jared Goff. And if you don't reach the Super Bowl because Mahomes exists, then what happens to you? You went to the playoffs a few times and then you trade him or something. I mean, you sign him to a ludicrous contract. It sinks your team. It's like you could you could see this like like chess, like 11 moves ahead of what exactly is going to happen. And I think it's very possible with Baker. Their roster is amazing right now. But it won't be, and we've seen this play out with, with Cousins, and we've seen it play out with Goff, that these rosters quickly deteriorate the minute that guy comes off of that contract. Yeah, I think teams just don't have the sense sense of urgency, which is kind of weird to say about this business where you can get fired after one bad year. But, like, the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan in the media was defending Jimmy Garoppolo against the criticism he heard. And then a, a year later, it's – oh, we need a new quarterback. We need it, like, uh, he's actually not good enough. But you could see, like, people were criticizing them when they were going to the Super Bowl. They're like, or Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo is holding, is, will be the thing that held them back. And he probably lost them the Super Bowl. Like, he missed a lot of plays that he could have made in that fourth quarter. And I just think teams probably think their Super Bowl window is going to stay open longer than it is. Like, the Jaguars are another example. 2017 Jaguars and in my opinion I tweeted this out before you don't have a Super Bowl window unless you have one of those top-notch quarterbacks otherwise it's a year-to-year proposition what you did last year does not mean anything for what you're going to do the next year because your quarterback is so dependent on everything around him being good and I think Kirk Cousins is like the best of those quarterbacks right now probably maybe I should give that more thought but and even him, it's like with the Vikings, it's – and I know it's not all him, but it's like one year they're in the playoffs and maybe a fringe contender to make the Super Bowl. The next year they're 7-9, and nine and it's just ups and downs, and it's not – it's never going to be consistent. And I think teams need to do a better job of recognizing that and not growing, a, growing attached to these players. And I think the Browns – I will say this, they have a front office that might be courageous enough to be like, hmm, maybe we shouldn't pay this guy – but you you listen to those Browns fans, and I don't I just don't know how the front office does it. Like, and this was before the Deshaun Watson stuff came out, but there was talk about the Browns trading for Deshaun Watson, and Browns fans were like, "No, we're good with Baker. Baker's better." Like, are, are you out of your mind? Like, Deshaun Watson's probably the second best quarterback in the league last year, and they're saying it about Aaron Rodgers too. I just I don't who won MVP, so it's going to be hard for that team. And I think once they pay, I think this is the year for them. This is their 2018 Rams year. And after this. Yes, I totally agree. And unfortunately for every team who thinks they have a window because of this in the AFC, Mahomes continues to exist. It's like you're going to have to somehow get by him. The ironic thing about it is I fully believe that if the Los Angeles Rams stuck with Goff long enough, and actually I think this is about the Vikings, that they could draft enough good players that if you hit on a big draft, you can work around your big quarterback contract because you have great players on rookie contracts. So like the Vikings get Justin Jefferson. Let's say they hit on three players this year. All of a sudden, 
sudden this roster is pretty stacked and not that expensive. But usually teams don't hang on to the guy long enough to get to that other window on the other side when he's under his contract, and they just trade away Jared Goff. And uh, that does bring me kind of to the Vikings. I would agree. I think Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins are sort of the elite. Yeah. Yep, yep, the elite of this. And I fully believe if they stick with Carr long enough, they'll have another year where they go 12 and 4 or 12 and 5 or whatever it is. Uh, 13 and 4. Well, maybe not with Gruden involved. Just yeah, maybe, maybe that's, maybe but, that's but, true. But to your point, like Carr's contract is good now. Like three years ago, it was awful. He's one of the most overpaid players. In the, now he's got like a valuable deal. He's making like 23 million, 25 million. And like now with the quarterback market, it's always going up. Like he's, like valuable, he's a valuable piece. But again, John Cruden is doing everything in his power to sabotage that team. So, yeah, well, that yeah, no, that's true. That that may never happen. But let's say, just in theory, that uh, right, his contract now is not terrible. And so, you know, with Kirk, they sort of did it the opposite way that they should have. They should have probably had him have a high cap hit in the first year where they were rebuilding defense and then a low cap hit in the third year if they had sort of had a little more long-term vision for this. So right now they would have been able to spend when they were ready to win again. So I think it's, it may be like rethink how you're structuring these to understand that your, what you just did, which might've been go to the Super Bowl or had a great season, like that might not sustain. So you might have to rebuild it again for a few years, but that takes long-term vision. And usually these people are under the gun. <laughs> but as, as we talk about this now, Kellen Mond is in the mix and Kirk Cousins is in for all intents and purposes, the last year of his contract, because he will not play on a $45 million cap hit next year. So, so what, ha- like, what, what do we look at this as? Like, is there a comparison to this? I mean, is it the Jared Goff type of situation? Like, I, I mean, the way I've thought of it is that the team basically said, look, we're kind of done with you unless you take us deep in the playoffs this year. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. In your opinion, is that the right approach for them to have? Uh, honestly, I feel like, I mean, it depends on how it looks. Like, how does a playoff run look? Is Kirk Cousins an MVP candidate in this scenario? Is he, like, playing out of his mind? Or is it, does it look like uh, two years ago when they beat the Saints in the playoffs? I don't know. Was that two years ago? Two years ago, yep. Does it look like that where Kirk played well? Like, I know there was a slow start, but then they turned it around. Does it look like that? And then – if it looks like that, then I, I I wouldn't fault them for moving on and thinking, like, this is as far as we're going to go. Like, we got to blow this up. We're trying to win a Super Bowl, right? But if it looks more like it did last year, I would compare it to the Matt, uh, the Matt Stafford situation, where with Stafford, like, the Lions got rid of a good quarterback. Like, I don't know how you feel about Matt Stafford, but I think he's a talented quarterback and a good quarterback. But everyone agreed, like, it's it's over. Like, it's time to move on. He's good. Like, he could, he might be good enough to win a Super Bowl with the Rams if everything goes right there. But for the Lions, it was time. And I think that's where the Vikings will be at this time next year, assuming they don't go on this magical run, which is possible because they have enough talent to be – like, if everything goes right and the right players develop, like, they have enough talent to go on a run. My thing is the Vikings shouldn't – make the same mistake that they've made in recent years of trying to chase the previous year by like you look at the previous year and you're like, Oh, if we only had this, then we would have won the Super Bowl." And then they do everything they can in that off season to get that piece. 
but things change year to year. So getting that piece doesn't ensure you're going to be, you're going to, you're going to get to where you wanted to go that previous year. And I think that's the trap you might fall into if Kirk Cousins does have a great year this year and the Vikings offense has a great year. So it's always like, I don't know, maybe I'm a cynical NFL fan where I'm like, like last year I was rooting for the Panthers to lose every game. I know there's people out there that like just can't do that. They can't bring themselves to do that. But like if I'm a Vikings fan, I would be scared if we if 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 we did make it to the divisional round. Cuz that might fool the front office into thinking, "Oh, maybe maybe we're not that far off. Maybe you know, just make some win now moves and we can close that gap." Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly... Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So, if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out ScoutLogistics.com or call 855 217-2688, extension 232, to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. I think you have diagnosed this right on because that's exactly what happened in 2019. They were ready to move on from head coach and quarterback if they had not won in New Orleans. And if it's coming down to that, I mean, that should be your sort of answer already, right? I mean, you're either, you should either be locked in and say, this is who we're going to play around because he's good enough to win and we'll do everything we can to build around him or not. Not if you win this playoff game with a great throw to Kyle Rudolph, then all of a sudden you're QB one again. I mean, and we're going to, and the thing is too, they extended him on the first day of free agency. They didn't even like negotiate this thing deep into the off season. They just said, no, we're locked into you. We, and they, and this was a real thing that Je- that uh, general manager Rick Spielman said. He said we needed to uh, redo his contract so we could sign Michael Pierce. And that's exactly your point about all we need is this nose tackle, and then we're good. And it's like that's not really – and they're kind of doing that again with, oh, well, we just needed a couple of corners. We needed, you know, Patrick Peterson, and we needed to stop the run with Delvin Tomlinson, and that will change everything and probably – at least Las Vegas does not think that it will, you know, having him as, as an eight and a half team. So we'll, we'll see on where it goes with the NFC. I think it's totally possible that they could go on a playoff run and decide that, okay, we're good. And if Kellen Mond doesn't look good in practice or whatever, we're just going to go forward with Kirk cousins. And I do think that they could still possibly come out on the other side of that. Good. But you know what is the what are the odds that the ceiling is any higher than that when that's been on repeat year after year? So it's it's a very odd place to be because Vikings fans don't want to lose. I mean they want to see this team be very good this year, but the trade off for that is well that means they might extend Kirk Cousins. So do you also want that? So yeah, and and I'm I'm not one to tell people like hey root against your team. That's right. that's a that's a tough one. 
Not unless you're in now week 17 last year against the Lions. They should have played Jake Browning and lost the game. Um, but, you know, it, it's a it's a very unique position to be in because here's what I think. If they got into that playoff situation you're describing and then they just said we're moving on from Kirk anyway and traded him. There are usually so many quarterbacks available now that you could get someone else, even if it isn't Mond, and come to a playoff team and be in a great situation, almost like Phillip Rivers with, uh, you know, Indianapolis. I think it's like you shouldn't any longer be afraid to move on from your quarterback if you think you can improve, like you do with every other position. It's like the Chiefs. That was the Chiefs. They had Alex Smith, who was a fine quarterback. He was getting MVP talk the year they the year before they moved on from. He was like the MVP leader in like week eight of that year, and they still moved on from him. And I think teams need to have – obviously having Patrick Mahomes, and they probably saw him in practice and saw him doing all this amazing stuff. That made it easier, right? But they had to draft Patrick Mahomes in order to be able to move on the next year. And I just don't think teams are willing to do that enough, and it's, it goes back to the sense of urgency and realizing that the goal is to win a Super Bowl – and the best way to do that is to have a chance every year. And the only way to have a chance every single year is by having one of the best five quarterbacks in the league. It's not having a top 10 quarterback who you can win with. Like people are still saying, oh, like Matt LaFleur, when the, the Packers signed Blake Bortles, he was still saying at the press conference, he was like, oh, he led them to an AFC championship game. Like people are still saying that about Blake Bortles as like a reason to sign him. And I just – that mentality like speaks to everything we're talking about the Vikings, even though obviously Kirk Cousins is a way, 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 way better quarterback than Blake Bortles. But yes. it's, <laughs> it's a different side of the same coin, though. Um, so I think that the Vikings actually are not in a terrible position because you have an endpoint. You mm-hmm. have sort of like when you're stuck but you can't even see the end or how it's going to go anywhere, that's when it's the worst. Um, at least having another quarterback on the roster who might be your future along with knowing that it's kind of this year and then we'll see after that. I think that's not a terrible place to be. Uh, but before we we spent a lot more time on the bad team, so why don't we just wrap on this? Um, who would be a good quarterback situation that isn't obvious? Like it's obvious Kansas City, Buffalo <laughs> is in a pretty good position as long as Josh Allen keeps doing what he's doing, which a little skeptical. But, uh, yeah, in the same way with Baker, a little skeptical. But um, – who would you say is good that maybe people wouldn't think is a good situation? Hmm, that's a good question. I would say, I mean, yeah, I'm going to leave out all rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, right. I think the the Raiders are actually in a decent spot because they have a decent quarterback. Obviously, the John Gruden thing like ruins everything, but like Derek Carr is, and I've been critical of Derek Carr. Like I've written many things. I've I've argued with Raiders fans. But at the same time, I was arguing with Raiders fans because I said that Derek Carr was like a tier two, tier three quarterback. And they're like, no, he's tier one, which is a ridiculous thing to say. But he's a good quarterback on a decent deal that's kind of like a middle class deal right now, which doesn't exist right now. I would put them in that in that category. I think I think I want to see what Lamar's contract looks like, but I potentially I think that could be a potentially good one just because how the media talks about him. And I think there's that perception around the league. Maybe they get a discount on him and don't have to pay that top market quarterback value. I think that would really end up being a good situation for them. And then I'm trying to think of one more non-rookie quarter. It's like the rookie quarterbacks are the answer, right? 
every oh, yeah. time. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I had I had I'll, one. I had I'll give one you two. Uh, I will give you football team because I think like knowing that you're not going to stick with Ryan Fitzpatrick, there's value in that, but they could also win. Like you could win that division with Ryan Fitzpatrick because their defense is good and they have weapons to work with and an offensive line that's decent. Uh, and Fitzpatrick has weirdly gotten better <laughs> throughout his career. So does he have a pop-up like Kerry Collins, 13 and three season? Like who knows, right? But you know, he's not your guy long-term. So that's a good place to be in. I would also give you the New York Giants because same way with Kirk, only younger, we've sort of come to this like crossroads. If you can't do it with Kenny Galladay and they drafted uh, Kadarius Tony, and you've already got, you know, a couple other players there who are good. If you can't do it with these guys and Saquon Barkley comes back, then you're just bad. And we know to move on from you. Kind of like Mitch Trubisky last year. Like if you can't do it with this, then it's, it's your fault and you're just bad. And so then the next quarterback, though, think about this. If someone, if Baker Mayfield becomes available, and you're the Giants, you have all these things to work with, and you're the Giants. You're like a legendary franchise where someone would want to come. I mean, I think that's a great situation to be in now, like Tampa Bay, where when you move on from your quarterback, you're like, who wants to quarterback us? Is it <laughs> like Matt, good? Matt Ryan might be available next year, for instance. And Matt Ryan, I think, is still a good quarterback who could, you know, make that offense really good. I'll throw the Colts in there, too. And I think it goes along the same lines as you're saying. Like, they – Traded for Carson Wentz, and all that guaranteed money stayed with Philadelphia. So now you have this quarterback who has at least been good at one point and was okay, like even two years ago, and decent. With this roster that's like this offensive line, like you could look – a lot of quarterbacks will look good behind this offensive line. They get some weapons going, like Michael Pittman steps up in year two. He was pretty good at the end of last year. Paris Campbell stays healthy. I think that's a good offense – a good coaching staff. You have a quarterback who had enough talent to be drafted second overall and in his second year was an MVP candidate. I don't, I've never thought he was that good, but like you said, you, you don't really have anything committed to him. If he stinks this year, you can move on. If he's good, you have him for this below market value deal for, I think it's like two, two or three more years. I don't remember what's left on his contract, but it's a significant amount of time. Like that's an ideal situation. It's low risk, high reward. And if he stinks, you move on and you, you draft a quarterback next year. And I'll throw Denver out there just because they might get Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> then, I, then, that's the then, then you get uh, then you get immediately to the top of the list. Uh, Steven Ruiz, you want to follow him on Twitter at the Steven Ruiz does tremendous work for USA Today's For the Win blog. And I, I mean, I really mean it that I learn something every time I read you. And uh, I laugh at your tweets all day long, making fun of the Carolina <laughs> Panthers. So it's, it's good stuff. I'm really glad we get back together. We'll definitely do it again soon, man. Thanks for having me. And there, there will be plenty of Panthers tweets for over the <laughs> Trust me. <laughs>